What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. I'm Zach Durkin, and I am back in person, not on the phone, not remotely. I'm chilling with my boy, Sean Robinson. What's going on, man? Yo, Zach, this is so weird. I mean, for what seems like the last, I don't know, month, we've been doing this shit remotely. And, you know, like you said, it's fucking been horrible. But it's definitely nice to have you back, have you in person, looking at you eye to eye. You know me, Zach. I'm always one to pick up on vibes. And I notice a certain twinkle in your eyes, Zach. Uh, You know, before COVID got in the way, we had to do this shit remotely. You were... uh, Looking kind of down in the dumps, I gotta admit, with the Giants season coming to a close, but I don't know, there's 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 a little, there's something different, I feel. I think with the news of uh, Joe Judge getting canned, is there a reason for optimism now? I'll tell you what, man, that little thing in my eye, a little feeling in my stomach, you know what that is? That's called hope. Because under the current regime, I don't think we had any hope of getting out of the hole that we dug ourselves You've heard me before on the podcast defend Joe Judge like none other. Hey, I thought he could have worked out. Did he get the fairest shake? Not really. But at the end of the day, he just wasn't good enough. And like Mr. Maris said, he didn't see us getting out of this hole as long as he was the coach. We just kind of had to fully blow it up. Dave Gettleman retired, fired Joe Judge shortly after that. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to what this uh, new regime brings on to the Giants. Well, I, for one, am happy for you because honestly, as your best friend, it was kind of hard to see you go through what you went through for like the last, I guess we could say the last like six years. Six years is fair, yeah. And honestly, it probably attributed to 75% of my stress level. Not even kidding, because for some reason, I just felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders this past Tuesday. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't really trust them to make the right decision because they haven't in years past, but I've heard some things that make me feel pretty optimistic about it. All right, well, I know you're not the only Giants fan we're going to talk to today. You know, we're bringing back a guy we have not had on in quite some time, but who I know has been fucking chomping at the bit to get back on. And truth be told, this guy might be a soothsayer or something, Zach. I like that that word. You like that one, huh? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, Well, like I said, truth be told, he pretty much predicted this was going to happen and that man is none other than Dave Gettleman's best friend himself, Mr. Vince Struss. You fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> we thought you might get a kick out of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick it. Let's just say this, all right? Ding dong, the dickheads are fucking gone. This is a wonderful fucking day in New York Giants history. Dave Gettleman is finally fucking out the door. He should have been out the door fucking four years ago before he even hired him. But... I digress. Now comes to the other one. Joe Judge. Uh, Joe Judge. I I liked him. I did. I liked him. But there comes a time where all the rah-rah bullshit of him going, oh, we're going to put a tough thing on the field, this, that, and the third. I want fucking results. I think he tried to sell you, uh, sell you guys a dream that I think Giants fans just ended up getting sick and tired of. No, yeah, I felt the same way about Joe Judge. I liked him, but, you know, like you just said, the rah-rah shit's got to stop at some point, and if you're not winning, it doesn't work. It's proven. Yeah, if you're winning, it's good. But in two years, when you win 10 fucking games, 
Not to mention the last fucking game of the season, you're running a fucking quarterback sneak at third and nine on your own four yard line. That was the straw that broke uh, the camel's back. Oh, yes, uh, yeah. See, now this is this is where this is the question that I had for I guess both of you guys because you know Zach, I haven't been able to ask you this pretty much all season because you know you were still riding the Joe Judge train, but you know for you Vin and you know for you Zach, what was the the final straw? Was it that? third and nine call was it something else that happened in the season i mean i'm sure you guys have a myriad of reasons for why this guy needed to go but i guess i'll start with you vin um what was kind of your last straw the fact that he kept on saying we're improving we're improving and our last six games we lost by double digits how the fuck are you improving on that oh we didn't lose by 40 this time good job guys i mean what the fuck is this guy talking about I know, I know what you mean, because after every game, it was like, oh, I saw some good things to build on. I saw some improvements. Like, where? Mike Glennon yeah. not throwing at three interceptions is that improvement? But where it was lost for me, and believe me, I think he was safe up until three weeks ago. I think it was the 11-minute rant. I think it was the fact that we just looked embarrassing, and we were basically the complete opposite of his entire opening presser when he first got hired. We were oh, giving absolutely. up mid-game. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I. You know what? It's. It was just. He just went from like you know. Okay, he's pretty good to shit real fast. Yeah, what a fall from grace. The story of Joe Judge at the end of the twenty twenty one season. But um, we're done talking about Joe Judge. Let's talk about the real reason that you're on this show today, Vin. That's Dave oh, Gettleman. Okay. I just want to start out. Fun. Yeah, I just want to start out by saying I think the only reason he was hired in the first place is because he was the only one willing to go along with the Maris plan of trying to squeeze one more out of Eli. What do you think about that? Oh, 100%. I think he was a Maris puppet. He was just all talk, no show, piece of shit. I really, really think he, he like, the Maris didn't go out searching for anybody. I think they interviewed in the last two GM uh, searches, two outside people. Now, Gettleman used to work for them as a fucking, what's it called, player development or whatever bullshit. But this guy had no business, no fucking business being a GM anywhere let alone the Giants. Filling all the Giants fans with fucking false hope. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. He did nothing. He won 17 fucking games. 17 fucking games in four years. That's horrible. That's really bad. That's like... Jets level, Browns level. That's football. Browns level, yeah. That's almost worse than Jets level. I mean, it's fucking terrible. How do you go from, you know, you we made the playoffs, what was the last year? Um, 2016 with Odell. 2016. How do you go from making the playoffs two years later to not, not, not only winning like, you know, five, six games? It's really kind of fucked up that Ben McAdoo was the best Giants coach in the last six years, huh? Uh, Benny with the good hair, baby. Benny with the good <laughs> hair. Oh, wow. Now, look at the connection here. Do you guys know who Benny with the good hair is currently employed by? Sean, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Quarterback consultant Ben McAdoo to the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. They just made that position up. It's not even a real position. Does he even get paid? I think he's literally just there because he's like Mike McCarthy's best friend. Literally, that's the only Two reason. fucking weirdo dudes being best friends, like... Like, both of those dudes, you know they're from Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, they live there. They scream Wisconsin. Holy shit, yes, they do. But anyway, going back to what we're talking about, about um Dave Gettleman and the Maras, then what really kind of makes you think they're going to get it right this time? 
I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking clue. John Mara said it himself. He said, you know, I, I, I haven't given anybody any confidence that I'm going to get it right this time. Yeah, no fucking shit, Sherlock. But you got to think that this time around they're going to do things differently. You know, I think he mentioned that they're going to give the GM full control of the team. He's going to have whatever. He could do whatever he wants with the head coach, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, up in the air because we don't really know how the new GM and head coach are going to view them as assets to this team in the future. I completely agree with that. Now, I think that's what the GM should do. Um, going back to John Mara, yeah, he can say I'm going to give him full control till we're all blue in the fucking face, but he can just be blowing smoke up our ass. He's a fucking businessman. He knows how to talk. He knows what to say. He knows he's saying all the right things right now. But I, I just I don't know. I have like little to no confidence. There's no reason to have confidence based on the last six years of what they've been giving us. And before Gettleman got hired, it was hard to believe that they would get an even worse. But here we are. So Vin. Thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Yo, Vin, I just want to say one thing before you get out of here. As a Cowboys fan, I personally hope that you guys hire Mike McCagan as your next GM. Oh, oh you're, douche. You're, Is he really worse than Dave Gettleman? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, one of those Jets teams made the playoffs, I, I think, right? I don't know. Maybe it was the Ryan Fitzpatrick year where they missed out the last week of the season, but I'm not a Jets historian. Listen, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, all right, guys? I mean, come on. Well, Mike McCagman, that's, that's fucked up. Well, the Giants must be blind, deaf, and dumb. And that's how we're going to end this segment, Vin. Talk to you soon, buddy. Fuck the Cowboys. You know what? I, I hope the fucking 49ers drop 49, your precious Cowboys, and shit all over them. Fuck you. Can't wait to talk to you next week, bud. We'll see you soon. Later, man. Peace. It's always nice having Vin stress on, huh? Yeah, he always gives like a... Uh... Has a refreshing take on the Giants situation. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, shit. You know, one thing I actually wanted to ask him, and, you know, you're our resident Giants fan on this podcast, so I'll ask you. And forgive me if I strike any nerves here, but you really like Daniel Jones? You love him? Do you really want him to be your franchise quarterback? Or do you really think that is a possibility? I wish he could be our franchise quarterback because, honestly, I don't think it's his fault. I know it's easy to say that, and you can blame whatever you want, but... No quarterback would have success in this offense. Not one. I'm sorry. Not one quarterback in the league, except for maybe Michael Vick in 04, would have had success in this offense because of the lack of offensive line, the inept play calling, the injuries to his receivers and running backs all the time. So Daniel Jones has shown me enough in certain games, if he can be consistent, that he could be a franchise quarterback. The key word consistency. But that also goes hand in hand with the roster and the team around you as well. Because if your team's not you know, performing at a high level, then how can you expect to? Okay, well, here's my thing about Daniel Jones. I just don't think he has it in him to be consistent enough to be a franchise quarterback. Now, is, is, that, a, is that a possibility that has crossed your mind at all? The problem with that is, is that we'll never know because he never got the opportunity to be consistent. Well, I would like to assume that whatever GM you bring in would want to keep Daniel Jones, at least from a Cowboys perspective, because I personally don't think he's very good. That could just be my personal Cowboys bias, but I also just feel like that's just kind of what he is at this point. He's going into what now? His fourth year in the league? This mm -hmm. this 22 will be his fourth year? Yeah. He's always had an issue with turnovers, whether that be, you know, making bad, you know, tip, tip passes I get, I'll give you. But like, he doesn't always make the best reads. You know that. And he does have a bit of a fumbling issue. Now, it's been cut down 
from past numbers, but those numbers in his first couple seasons were very high. His ceiling for me is not franchise quarterback. His ceiling to me is reliable starter. At this point in his career, that's fair to say, but given the right circumstance and the right situation, like I, he's a guy that I could see going to an established team and playing really well. All right, so what team do you think right now that you interject Daniel Jones, a healthy Daniel Jones, into that he would actually flourish, if not do better than the quarterback that's already there? I think he'd do really well in the Rams' offense. Not saying he would do better than Stafford, because I, th- I think highly of Stafford, but I think he would do well in that offense. I think he would do well in Tampa Bay. A lot of these teams that have established teams around them. I th- I'm not saying coming out here and saying he's a Justin Herbert or a Pat Mahomes. He's not that by any stretch of the imagination. And neither was Eli. He's a clone of Eli. Put a good team around him and he's going to perform. And that's where I think the Giants really did him wrong. I don't think they really gave him a good opportunity. He didn't have a snowball's chance in hell before he even got to New York. But I'll rest my case on Daniel Jones. So let's hope this next GM at least gives the idea of keeping him and building a team around him. If they decide to keep him going into his fourth season, they have to decide on the fifth year option. So I guess we're going to find out sooner than later if they're going to move forward with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean... Mara has come out and said that they're going to, you know, give that GM full autonomy. So Daniel Jones could be on his way out. And I hope for your sake that they keep him because I know how much, you know, you ride for this guy. But time will tell. And he also helps the team out financially, too, because we're not paying him millions of millions and millions of dollars to be on the team as your starting quarterback. You still have that threshold of the rookie contract where you can kind of build around him. But our cap situation isn't that great. I don't even know if we'd be able to extend him if we wanted to. Yeah, uh, I don't envy whoever your next GM is because that is definitely not an advantageous position to be in. I mean, don't get me wrong. The two top 10 picks are great, but what is this like? Like the fifth year you guys been picking inside of the top 10? Um, For your information, Sean, we picked number 20 last year. So, uh, Excuse me. From Um, 11, so you can't even say we traded back that far. Well, I'm sorry. This might be like the fifth year that you guys have been scheduled to pick somewhere inside or near the top 10. Does that sound a little bit better? Yeah, that's better. We haven't made the playoffs in six years, so. Okay, well, let's actually start talking about teams that are in the playoffs, Zach, and let's kick off our first ever heated rivals NFL wild card picks. That was a lot to say and took us like four takes to say it, but the NFL playoffs are here. I, for one, as a Cowboys fan, am very excited about what this ticket to the big dance can potentially bring me, okay? I've been waiting all year for this Cowboys team to get to this exact spot, and it's brought me to a 430 matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Well, Sean, unfortunately for you, you're going to have to wait another day because we do have games that are on Saturday. Yes, so we'll talk about those first. But as you can see, Zach, I'm really excited about this game on Sunday. I don't know why. You're going to get bounced in the first round anyway, but we'll get there later. Anyway, let's kick things off in the AFC on Saturday afternoon where the six-seed Las Vegas Raiders take on the three-seed Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals open up as five-and-a-half-point favorites. And Sean, it's been some time since Cincinnati got a home playoff game. I got to be honest with you. I'm rolling with the Bengals here. I personally think that they're the more talented team. They're the better team. They should ultimately win this game. But... Youth typically doesn't succeed early on in the playoffs, and we've seen that throughout the years, but Zach Taylor is a young head coach, Joe Burrow is a young quarterback, Jamar Chase, young stud receiver. It doesn't really translate to early playoff victories, Sean. 
I mean, you're typically right. I guess the only outliers I could think of off the top of my head would be like guys like Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think Russ won the Super Bowl in his third year and Ben in his second, if I'm not mistaken. Now, obviously, those guys had, you know, complete teams around them. And I think I think Joe Burrow has a pretty good team around him and not to, you know, throw him up there with you know some of the great quarterbacks of our generation but i don't know man from what i saw from joe burrow all season he really impressed me and he's definitely vaulted himself to you know that upper echelon tier of quarterback in my eyes i hope you're right because i want to see him succeed too but you know you got to walk the walk and then you can talk the talk i want to see him do that because you know better than anybody that the playoffs are a whole different monster it's a whole different atmosphere Nothing like the regular season. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can rise to the occasion in the playoffs. Whereas I don't really think Derek Carr has or will rise to the occasion in these playoffs. Well, you know, we got to give the Raiders and Rich Passaccia a lot of credit. You know, we got on them all year for being, you know, I think one step away from completing NFL midseason distraction bingo. But this team fucked around and won their last four games to get into the playoffs. You know, they were kind of helped by the Colts shitting the bed against the Jaguars, let's be completely honest. But, you know, that's impressive. For everything that they had to deal with, guys getting DUIs, you know, coaches saying really fucked up shit in emails. Like I said, I give them a lot of credit for, you know, weathering that storm. Derek Carr did probably have his best season of his career. And, you know, they played Raider football for the majority of the season. Yeah, that's cool, but... Unfortunately, Sean Raider football is what got them in that situation of the NFL midseason destruction bingo, whatever you want to call it. And trust me, there's still time. All right. You got at least one more week for something really crazy to go on with that team. You never know. Sky's the limit with the Las Vegas Raiders. That's completely fair. So as far as this game is concerned, I love the Bengals in this spot. I just think they're going to be able to really take advantage of that terrible Raiders secondary let's be completely honest that secondary is they're not good at all and you know the Raiders have been kind of masking it with pretty good pass rush for the majority of the season I think Max Crosby has had a phenomenal season Yannick Ngakwe has had a pretty good season but I just think the Bengals are better and I think Joey B and his squad and Jamar Chase you know potential rookie of the year candidate I just think they're going to shine here and think the Bengals will take care of business pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I think Jamar Chase gets a very good start to his playoff career as he proceeds to be one of the best receivers in the league. Moving on, we travel to Buffalo to see the five-seed Patriots take on the four-seed Bills. And, Sean, it was kind of interesting. Both of their matchups this season were weird. The first one was the snowball, and I think Mac Jones threw three passes the entire game. So we can't really get a clear barometer on where these two teams lie just from that game alone. So we look at the game that they had recently. I think the Bills won that game 33-21, to if I'm correct. Yes. And Josh Allen had one of his best games. Yes, I I personally think so. The man was 30 for 47, 314 through the air, three tutties, and 64 yards on the ground. And truth be told, this was the Isaiah McKenzie game. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, I think Gabriel Davis was out that week, and McKenzie filled in his spot and flourished with fucking 11 receptions, buck 25, and a tutty. And if I'm being completely honest with you, this is probably the best game that the Bills had all season. 
they were able to force Mac Jones into a couple of key interceptions. And, you know, they kind of controlled the tempo of the game with their run offense. And they finally started using Josh Allen's legs a bit more. I think he had like 12 carries in this game. So I think they were able to uh, right a lot of wrongs as far as that snowball was concerned. Although you're correct, the Bills have been playing a lot better as of recently. I know that getting their footing down, you know, towards the end of the season was a big issue for them. But it seems like they're taking off. The only thing is you cannot discredit arguably the best coach of all time in Bill Belichick. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If Bill Belichick is as good a coach as we all think, he'll devise a game plan that builds off of that last matchup that they had. I think they need to be a little more run-centric because I think you're asking Mac Jones to do a lot if you're asking him to throw the ball 32 times. I think that in the second matchup that they had, Damian Harris, what, 103 for three touchdowns? Yeah. So they had success running the ball. Just do more of that, and I'd be hard-pressed to believe that that Patriots defense is going to give up 33 points to Josh Allen again. So with all that being said, I'm going to roll with the Patriots here. I'm going to take the plus four, and I think they uh, walk into a matchup with Tennessee Titans. Oh, interesting. I mean, you make some valid points because this will be the third time that these teams play this season. So I think I I do believe that that has a lot to do with it, but... I'm going to go back to your point that you made a little bit earlier in this year, and I believe at the beginning of the season, you had Josh Allen pegged as your potential MVP. I still think he can be that guy, especially when the Bills are backed into a corner. I feel like, you know, kind of like what Cam Newton used to do for the Carolina Panthers when in his heyday, kind of puts that Superman cape on, kind of does what he needs to do. We've seen it from Josh Allen a couple times in recent year and recent playoffs. So I think... If that was the case and Bill was, you know, going to devise a game plan to kind of take him out of it, I still think Josh Allen's going to be able to get it done. And at the end of the day, this is going to come down to a quarterback matchup, which quarterback is going to be able to put his team in the best position to win. And if we're picking between Mac Jones and Josh Allen, I'm rolling with Josh Allen. So I'm going to have to roll with the Bills. You know, it's at home. Bills Mafia is going to be insane. And I think the Bills are just going to be able to pull this one out. They just better hope it doesn't snow. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but let's roll right into Sunday and start off with the, what is it, 1 o'clock matchup here. We have the seven-seed Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks are the two-seed, obviously, with their home playoff game. Zach, I think these two teams played back in week... Oof. I believe it was week six uh, with the Bucks actually winning by that score exactly six with a 28 to 22 victory. This game was actually played in Philadelphia. Does that hold any weight here in this matchup? What, Wait, what do you think? What week did you say? Week six. Week six. So that's roughly three months ago. I am taking everything that I learned in that game with a grain of salt because it's three months ago. Teams are completely different. Guys are playing at a higher or lower level. Some teams are hotter right now, so I don't even think it's going to be an argument. I think the Buccaneers are going to sweep the floor with the Eagles. I don't think they're ready. I don't think the Eagles' running game is going to be able to do whatever they want like they do against other teams because I think the Bucs are going to come ready for it. They're getting Shaq Barrett back. Vita Vey has been healthy, and we haven't even mentioned Tom Brady yet. The offense is getting healthy, too, with Leonard Fournette coming back into the lineup, but Tom fucking Brady's not going to lose to the Eagles at home to sell himself short at an opportunity at another championship. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I just think the Bucks are going to be too much for the Eagles. Uh, like you said, it's always fucked the Eagles on this podcast, but 
come on. Do Eagles fans really see a path to victory in this game? Honestly, you really think Jalen Hurts is has what it takes to beat Tom Brady in the playoffs on the quest for the ninth championship? No. Exactly. So we're both rolling with the Bucks here. I think they'll cover. I think Tom Brady will teach this young man, Jalen Hurts, a lesson and be on his way to the next round. So, Zach Durkin, now that we got that bullshit-ass game out of the way... Are you fucking kidding me? You knew this was coming. You are truly, truly unbelievable. You're you're an asshole. Are you, did, are you, did you expect kidding? anything less of me? I didn't, but I don't think that's something to brag about. Well, your worst nightmare is here. My motherfucking Dallas Cowboys are in the motherfucking playoffs, Zach Durkin. And they're taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Okay? And I just want to let all of 49er Nation know... Y'all drew the wrong fucking card this time, okay? This is not the year to be fucking with the Dallas Cowboys. I know you think shit is sweet because our offense has been up and down all year, but guess what? My offense isn't even what you need to worry about, bro. And Johnny, I know why you ducking me. I know why you didn't want to come on this podcast because you know. You know. You know who the X Factor in this game is going to be. That's right. Number 11, Micah Parsons, the dog of all dogs, defensive rookie of the year, has me fucking hyped, Zach. You don't even understand this music. Everything about this game on Sunday has me going fucking insane. I can't even contain my fucking excitement, okay? You can call me crazy. You can fucking have me checked into a mental institution. Mental institution? I don't care. I don't. Okay, the Cowboys are back in the playoffs. I'm hyped. I'm ready. And I clearly can't even form a coherent thought right now. Please talk about this game before I have an aneurysm. I'm fucking sweating here, Zach. That was a lot, Sean. That was probably the most amped I've ever seen you get for a Dallas Cowboy game. But it's a shame they're going to lose to the San Francisco 49ers. San Fran's going to have their way with you. Let's be honest. You really believe that? No, I don't. But it's going to be a close game. I think the biggest key for Dallas, if they want to win this game, is one, Dak has to be on his shit because he's been a little iffy the last month of the season or so. And Dallas's defense has got to be able to set the edge and stop the run. The bread and butter of the 49ers is their run game, especially their outside run game, including Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell. The Cowboys are going to have to stop them, and that's what they do best. They have two stud tackles that they can run off of either side. How do you think the Cowboys are going to be able to balance that? I think the way the Cowboys combat this, you know, varied rushing attack that Kyle Shanahan's going to employ is just flat out being more physical than the 49ers. Okay? I think that's the way, I think that's been the key to beating them all season when teams are flat out physical with them. <clears throat> Sorry. As you can see, I'm clearly I lost my voice from that tirade I just went on. But teams that have been physical with uh the 49ers have been able to have some success. And I think the Cowboys still can be that kind of physically imposing team on offense and on defense, you know, to kind of counteract what the 49ers do really well. And, you know, 
that's speed. That's running side to side. That's getting guys in open field. So I think so long as the Cowboys can just tackle soundly and read their keys properly, I think they'll be able to keep that Niners offense in check. Yeah, the Niners have been described as being bully players. They play bully ball. But um, let's turn it over to your offense. The not-so-consistent part of your team this year. The defense has been stellar, I'm going to be honest. The offense, last month or so, they've been kind of iffy. You know, they don't really... They're, they're making mental mistakes. They're dropping passes. They're committing penalties. Dak hasn't been on his game. The 49ers defense is pretty hot right now. Being led by Nick Bosa, he's been getting pressure on the quarterback and being effective stopping the run. What do you think the key is for the Cowboys offense if they want to go ahead and win this game? Two words. Tony Pollard. Is he going to play with the plantar fasciitis? Yes, he is. And I think the plan for him you know, towards the end of the season was to kind of limit his carries. You know, we kind of saw his snaps decrease in the game against Washington in week 17. And then, you know, they flat out rested him in the the season finale against the Eagles. So I think at least if I was Kellen Moore, I would have sat Tony Pollard down and said, hey, you know, you exploded against this team last year. We really are going to need your speed to really carry the load against them this year. I just think he's a more explosive player and he's honestly just going to be better for what the Cowboys need against this particular 49ers defense you know I think like you said they play bully ball incredibly well so I think a guy like Zeke although he's going to have a large role in this game I think once they get down to the goal line we'll see Zeke you know command more of the snaps there but inside the 20s I would try to use Tony Pollard as much as I can because He's a gasher. And the way to gain yards against this 49ers defense is to gash them. you got to get them for big chunks. They would love to have you just march down the field and try to dink and dunk your way to kicking a field goal. You know what I mean? So my keys for the Cowboys offense in this game would to just be get your run game going early to set up your play action so you can hit the easy shots in the middle of the field and take the big plays when they're there. Because... They'll be there to have. That 49ers secondary is a little suspect, okay? I know they've been playing better as of late, but I think my receivers can out-physical these guys. So if that's the case, I think the Cowboys are in a good spot. All right. To be honest with you, Sean, you kind of swayed my uh, standing on this. I don't really know who I want to win now. I mean, obviously I want the Niners to win because I hate the Cowboys with the heat of a thousand suns, but... I kind of want to see them win just for the fact that you might come bigger next time. Hey, yo, what the fuck? Pause. And who knows what to expect with that. <laughs> you, you you got me. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Uh, so why don't we just take it into the Sunday night game of the Steelers <laughs> visiting the Chiefs, the seven-seed Steelers, taking on the number two-seed Chiefs. And if this game is going to go anything like it did the first time, don't even stay up. Don't bother. It's not going to be a good one. Unfortunately for you guys, I think it's going to be a little bit different. I don't think TJ Watt, the pending defensive player of the year, in my opinion, played in that first matchup. I think he'll be a big X factor. They'll be able to get more pressure on Pat Mahomes, which is which is his Achilles heel. And I don't know, man. I think they're, the Steelers are going to try to make this a low-scoring game. I see the score maybe being 23-17 if it's going to be one of those kind of games. Sorry, Jordan. It's not. I see this. I see the Chiefs winning this game big. You think so, huh? I, I mean, you'd hope so, but of all seasons, any given Sunday looms large on this one. We saw last week with Jacksonville. Who would have fucking thought that? Yeah, I mean, 
to be honest with you, I'm still trying to process what you just said about 35 seconds ago. And I haven't even gotten to the fact that we're on the Chiefs and Steelers game. But, uh, yeah, what what are the Chiefs uh, favored by? What, the Chiefs are 12 and a half point home favorites. Oh, yeah. They put a shellac on them last time. They damn sure did. And do we really think this is going to be any different? I just gave you a million reasons why you, you were just stuck on that last thing that I said. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. That was pretty outrageous. It, it's all right. We it, need something on this show. Somebody's going to use, somebody's gonna use that as a drop at some point. Yeah, but who would have thought? Me? <laughs> nope. Let's play off football, baby. No holds barred. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, uh, to all our Steeler fan friends, sorry, guys. I... You got into the playoffs because the Colts couldn't fucking beat the Jaguars. So, yeah, take Ratio. that for what it's worth. I'm taking the Steelers plus 12 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I guess just because the number is so large. Why not? Why not? I mean, Mike Tomlin's done this before. Would it be crazy to see Big Ben fuck around and, you know, keep the game close? Yes, it would be kind of crazy to see that. Would I like to see it? Kind of. Because, you know, anytime we we see Patrick Mahomes kind of sweat it out, he usually does something amazing. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, But, yeah, I don't really see too much intrigue with this game. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to handle them. They got hot at the right time this year. You know, we had all doubted them. I, for one, was saying that Patrick Mahomes was figured out. Uh, Apparently, that's not necessarily the case. But, yeah, I just don't think the Steelers are going to be able to hang here. So, with the Chiefs being able to take care of business with the Steelers, that would lead them into a rematch in the divisional round with the Bengals. So, that's where I'm at with that game. And we are going to close out today's episode with the final game of Wild Card Weekend. And that's going to see the five-seeded Arizona Cardinals travel to L.A. to take on the four-seed Los Angeles Rams. Both of these teams are coming off of some really heartbreaking losses in their season finales, with the Cardinals losing 38-30 to in their hopes to try to claim the NFC West title, and the Rams getting down by the 49ers with their hopes of potentially wrapping up the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. I believe the score of that game was 27-24, to if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so both these teams come in, into this game in very peculiar spots. I know the Rams are kind of having some issues in the back end of their defense. They went as far as to re-sign Eric Weddle off the street. Did yeah, I, I saw read that. that correctly? Yeah, I saw they came out of retirement to come help the secondary. They're really, really down bad. They're down bad. If you're asking Eric Weddle, who hasn't played a snap in the NFL in two years, to come and play safety for you. Yeah, I I, I don't know how I don't know how that's gonna work out. Luckily for the Rams, D hopping coming back this week. Yeah, but still I would just abuse Christian Kirk in this game if I was the Cardinals like try to just get him on every kind of deep pattern you can and just say go have Kyler Murray just throw the ball up because you got to believe that Weddle's just going to try to be roaming the middle of the field is he going to be integrated into this defense well enough to actually you know make an impact well you'd hope so for sake of a good game but I do also think that the LA Rams pass rush and their defensive line is going to be able to generate enough pressure on Kyler Murray so that he wouldn't have so long to sit in the pocket and bomb deep to Christian Kirk. I think their defensive line in front seven is going to play a big part in stopping the Cardinals offense that has been kind of, you know, up and down for the last half of the season. Yeah, I mean, you make a point there. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Von Miller you're 
you do make some valid points. So I, I would not be surprised to see the Rams, you know, kind of take away what the Cardinals, you know, are going to potentially try to do them because that would be my game plan fucking 85 year old eric weddle sitting in the middle of the defense yeah they're gonna have to do that and another thing is that if i'm correct i believe the seahawks ran for over 200 yards against the cardinals last time yes they did so the rams are gonna have some success against a withered down defense they really haven't been the same since the halfway point in the season i think they what started the season 10 and 0 yes they did and, and they had a pretty catastrophic fall yeah i mean honestly that defense has kind of fallen i wouldn't say off of a cliff because chandler jones is still no joke it's hanging by a thread though yeah but i think it's been since jj watt went down they kind of missed that like steadying force and you know don't get me wrong like i said chandler jones is a stud in his own right but we're talking like one of the like top 10 generational defensive talents of all time in J.J. Watt. I know he's not what he used to be, but still, his presence is definitely missed. Absolutely, and ultimately, I think this is going to be a pretty fun game to watch. It's going to be exciting. I think it's a rivalry game, so looking forward to it. But ultimately, I'm rocking with the Rams here. I've said it from the beginning, Matt Stafford, I think he's got it. I want my boy Oda to eat, kind of have some retribution from that Green Bay playoff game, so... It'll be cool to see what happens in this game. I'm taking the Rams. All right, interesting. Uh, another little nugget about this game, which we neglected to uh, mention. This game's going to be played on Monday, Zach Durkin. We got Monday night football playoffs, baby. Like, that's crazy. This We've never first, seen that. This is the first one, right? Yeah, I think first time ever in the NFL that this, there's ever been a Monday night football playoff game. So definitely something interesting to watch. As far as this game is concerned, I'm also going to roll with the Rams here. Like you said, I think Sean McVay and Matt Stafford have something up their sleeves for the playoffs. You know, Matt Stafford has kind of been up and down all year. He was really, really good in the beginning of the season. And then he kind of turned into like Detroit Lion Matt Stafford for like the middle part towards the end of the season. And actually, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he ended up leading the NFL in picks with 17. So... As long as he can stay away from making the really dumb interception, I do think they're going to be able to win this game. Um, I just, I'm not a big believer in the Cardinals. I think Cliff Kingsbury teams typically run out of gas, and that's kind of what we saw towards the end of the season. So give me the Rams. All right, well, that was a pretty fun episode, don't you think, Sean? Yeah, I, that was fun. I, different than the ones that we've been doing for the last 18 weeks. Yeah, much shorter in my opinion, but... um. You know, I think it's going to be a wild, wild card weekend, but I just want to attend to one more thing before we get out of here, Sean. What would that be, Mr. Durkin? Well, as most of you know, if not all of you, that Sean lost a blind confidence pool to me this season, and a punishment has been decided. The punishment will be that Sean has to go on a date with a blow-up doll to a restaurant of our choosing. So... Stay tuned for that. That's going to be a good one. Sean, how are you feeling about that? You looking forward to your date? Yes, I am, Mr. Durkin. Okay, I'm, I'm taking this punishment in stride, and me and Patricia are going to have a wonderful time on our date. Patricia's the name you decided to give this blow-up doll. Yes, it is. All right, man. Any inspiration behind that? or No, just the name I thought of. No reason. <laughs> All righty then. Well, just want to say thank you guys for listening. I want to say thanks to Vince Truss for hopping on the pod and talking some shit with us again. Fuck Dave Gettleman. He was trash. Bye, Joe Judge. New era of Giants football is on the way. Sean, looking forward to your Cowboys losing in the wild card round. Fuck you. Follow us on Instagram at HeatedRivalsPod15. Follow us on Twitter at HeatedRivals15. And check out our TikTok, HeatedRivals15. 
listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever the fuck you listen, as long as you're listening. That's going to close it out for me. I'm Zach Durkin. I'm Sean Robinson. And this has been the Heated Rivals Podcast. Take care, everybody. Peace.